0: Welcome, everybody, to the Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast. I am Kenny Oak. Joining me, as always, is Chris Harris. And today, today we're going to be talking about tag teams. Uh, it's a, this is a topic that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. And tag team wrestling is something that I love. I think it's a lost art right now. At least stateside, it is. Uh, but, uh, Chris, uh, it's, good, it's good talking to you again. Hey, bubs!
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this episode. We get to talk about some of our uh, favorite tag teams, some some good factions, and stray away from some of the the singles competition. Even though I'm sure we'll talk about some guys within the tag teams or groups, but this is going to be a good talk.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys that have broken off from tag teams and become huge. Uh, really, tag teams were always a good way to springboard uh, people into a successful singles career. But yeah, I'm uh, definitely excited to uh, get talking about uh, some very special tag teams in, in our hearts. So, uh, you know, why, why don't you uh, why don't you start start off the discussion for us?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you kind of hit it right on the head when you said that it's become a bit of a lost start, but I think it's definitely on the way back up now. Since the start of NXT, we've seen a lot of good tag teams form there and some good uh, competition, which has translated now to the main roster a little bit. But there were some years prior to that where it was pretty rough. And a lot of stuff that was relatively rough. dating back to the end of the, uh, the Attitude Era.
0: Definitely we're seeing a lot of really good uh, tag team action going on in NXT. Uh, especially with the Revival. Love watching the Revival uh, and some ta- tag team action. Uh, they're definitely an old school tag team. You see a lot of some, uh, some, some good old tag team uh, maneuvers that they use and tactics uh, like old school, just keeping, keeping your, your opponent in your corner, quick tags, uh, really focusing on, on body parts, just some really good uh, wrestling. And I think that they're a group that is definitely going to be huge here within the next year, and, and, and I definitely think that they will be uh, a WWE Tag Team Champions on either brand, whichever brand they get called up to. By the end of the year, they're going to be champs.
1: Yeah, and they're a team that
0: can be called up and could have been
1: called up a long time ago, but they're they're using them as a a way to to keep that tag team division down there in NXT uh, kind of at that that peak level because there's some tag teams on the main roster on both SmackDown and Raw that really aren't cutting it that aren't really what we look for in tag teams and the revival they hit they hit everything almost perfectly they're a really good heel team like you said they cut off the ring they do quick tags they isolate body parts and that's exactly what you you hear a lot of the uh, the older tag team guys from different generations say that that's exactly what's been missing, and that's why they've been praising them as well. So it'll be good to see them when they get called up, but I wouldn't expect it anytime soon until we see another team that can really hang with the Authors of Pain down there and uh, become maybe the next tag team after them.
0: Yeah, I I hope that the call-up comes sooner rather than later because uh, as we discussed in our Elimination Chamber, uh episode uh there really is a lack of death in the tag team division both on smackdown and raw and i think bringing up a group like the revival would, would breathe breathe a breath of fresh air into that division and they are a group that you can definitely see just jumping straight to the top whenever they get called up but uh you know why don't we you know start talking about some Tag teams from our childhood and even before, you know, some some groups that you know we really really enjoyed from a uh, bygone era.
1: Yeah, you and I both were obviously Attitude Era little kids, and we we loved most of those tag teams. So there's a lot of tag teams that I think we'll talk about. But a a little bit before that was um, the Hart Foundation, which we didn't get to see a lot of when we were young. But if you go back and watch some of their stuff, they were a really strong team that obviously had
0: if we're just talking about
1: the two main participants of the team and Bret Hart and uh, the Anvil, they were really strong.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely enjoyed uh, the Hart Foundation, and you saw a lot of uh, really good uh, singles competitors come out of that. You you had Bret Hart, who was a five-time WWF champion. Uh, Owen Hart came out of the Hart Foundation. You had British Bulldog. Uh, it was definitely one of those factions that not only did it provide really good tag team action, but it also provided some top level singles guys. Also,
1: yeah, you've seen it go both ways uh, throughout years of tag teaming. Is you start with two guys that you know are definitely are not great singles competitors, and they turn into great singles guys like Edge did. I think he's the the epitome of that conversation. Then you have guys yes. who may may have been better. Singles uh, guys in the earlier career, but then translated to uh, to the tag team world. So uh, the, I I brought up them because normally when you think of Bret Hart, you do you don't think about the Hart Foundation because you think of him as one of the best champions of all time.
0: But yeah, a lot of people don't realize that uh, Bret Hart. You know, he had a fantastic singles career, but yeah, he was a. You know, he started off as a tag team guy. He was a former tag team champion. Uh, feuded with the uh, Rockers uh, with Shawn Michaels and uh, Marty Jannetty over the titles. That they put on some really good matches. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's just one of those things where people people need uh, experience in the ring. And the best way to get a young, inexperienced person uh, good experience in the ring to hide some of their flaws is to put them in a tag team matches. You know, we we see too many times you you put these young, you know, guys who shouldn't be in singles matches just yet. And you put them in these, you know, 10 minute long matches and it really shows uh, how how inept they are at in-ring psychology and just wrestling in general at that time, but if you put them in a tag team, you can hide some of their flaws and you can really uh, expound on some of their, you know, strengths that, you know, make you see the potential in them.
1: Oh yeah, and I think uh, we're just waiting for, for Vince McMahon to to finally quit breathing so hard about Big Cass and finally quit involving him with Enzo because they've, they kept Big Cass, I think, in the tag team division so that he could keep learning and keep growing. And then they shove him into the singles world. And when, he, when they first came up on Raw, you could see that he really wasn't ready for any type of singles work. So that hasn't panned out yet. So he should definitely stay in a tag team, like you said, to keep hiding some of those flaws until he can fully develop and maybe be that, that top-of-the-card guy that I think Vince wants him to be, which he probably can be.
0: We, you've seen that all throughout history, uh, with different guys. Uh, you know, staying in a more modern time, Braun Strowman is someone that could have used uh, more seasoning in the Wyatt family. You know, working those six-man tags. You know, regular tag matches. Um, and you know, if you keep going back in time, we talked about the Hearts, uh, Shawn Michaels with the Rockers. Uh, he he really needed that time as a tag team uh, competitor. To really learn the uh, in-ring psychology and learn the ropes, so to speak, uh, to really become that top-level singles guy that he became. And it's all because he's, he spent so much time as a tag team competitor.
1: And I think it, it, like again, it shows perfectly if you let a guy learn the ropes long enough and stay in a tag team like that and and develop you get a product like edge once that's all done, he went from the tag team world and then broke away from that and went through the mid card and then became one of the top guys and he's one of your guys, so he I is think, um, had I, he, I love edge had he not done the tag teaming with Christian in the late 90s and for a couple years after that putting on amazing matches and and learning learning the ropes then we wouldn't have got the the greatness that was edge throughout history
0: yeah and uh you know, Christian also turned out to be a pretty solid uh, single competitor. Definitely right. not on the level, uh, Captain Charisma, you know, as he was called, or called himself. Uh, he wasn't on the level of Edge, but uh, you, you see, you know, people that just they they thrive uh, in those tag team situations. Uh, but you also see people who don't really, you know, they they get stuck in a tag team and they don't really develop into any kind of. Singles competitor, and uh, sticking with the era that you were talking about, you know, you're bringing up Edge and Christian, uh, talking about the Dudleys. Uh, really, after you know, anytime the Dudley split up, you, you kind of saw a little bit of uh, Bubba Ray, you, you know, how, how he could you know be an effective singles competitor. But unfortunately, on the flip side of that, Devon never really showed that he could be a uh, even a decent uh, singles competitor. I uh, remember when he was a uh, Reverend. Devon he was uh, Vince McMahon's personal priest
1: I can I think you could see that that was never going to work because when even in a tag team um, together with with Bubba Ray Devon never did a lot of stuff in the ring that you're like oh man that was that was nice or uh, I could see more of that he was always they relied on a lot of tag team double teams and things like that and Bubba Ray especially when he went to TNA I think he really developed and became that singles competitor and was a legit world champion for them and was definitely good enough to be at that level. Now maybe not. He's not going to get that kind of push on a WWE roster, but he's definitely good enough to to hold his own in the ring. So he's he kind of can play both sides of the singles world and the tag team world and be effective in both.
0: Yeah, and that that tag team era in the late '90s, early 2000s, uh, was there a better tag team era than in the in the late '90s? Absolutely. And you had you had the Dudleys. You had Edge and Christian. Uh, let's not forget to mention the Hardys. Uh, I think they became pretty big. Yeah,
1: they actually uh, developed into something pretty good.
0: You had the Acolytes. You had APA. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, someone from there turned out to be you know, pretty darn good after that tag team. But just that, that entire era of tag team wrestling, the, the New Age Outlaws, was just probably one of the best, if not the best of all time. Yeah,
1: for a couple years, you named off pretty much every major team that was doing good work back then, and I mean APA were they were some of my favorites. I just liked how they were, you know, they were bruisers and fighters in the ring, and Farouk, formerly being Ron Simmons in WCW, was a world champion before that, so he had he was effective enough, even though he wasn't great before that as a singles guy, and then he got even better as a tag team guy, and then JBL took. That and became a great singles guy afterwards. So again, it's another another example of um, what tag teaming can do to to keep a career going for Ron Simmons and to help JBL develop into a champion and really hold SmackDown over for a couple of years when there was a lack of talent.
0: Yeah, and the thing about tag team wrestling is that you know, especially during this time frame that we're discussing right now, is that it, pe- people were really into the tag teams. Like the tag teams were main event level, you know, drawers, like fans would show up to go see the Hardys fans showed up to see edge and Christian, you know, they, they, you know, and and you've heard them talk about it. Like their, their mission was to be just as big as, you know, the singles competitors. And you really saw that in their work ethic and some of the matches that they put together and tag team wrestling was, was, was a hot, hot commodity back then.
1: Well, and deservingly so because some of those matches that they were putting on, specifically the the TLC matches, those were the best matches on pay-per-views. So there were reasons why people were showing up to see these guys, and they were so entertaining. And if we're talking specifically about those big three, the Dudleys, Hardys, and Edge and Christian, they were all very different type of teams. The Dudleys were the bruiser types who would just go in and beat you up, Edge and Christian – were more of the technical guys, and the Hardys were flying around doing different stuff. So between the three of them, it was bound to—you were bound to put on amazing matches, having such different styles in the ring like that with six different people.
0: And the one thing that uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was a was a hindrance to you know other tag teams, but as you brought up those TLC matches that uh, those three teams had—the Hardys, Dudleys, and Edge and Christian—it's um, not your traditional tag team style match and so you know when you have them doing those amazing things and and really doing a lot of a lot of high spots you know it really puts a lot of pressure on the other tag teams whenever they're having just regular you know tag team matches you know regular two on two two people in the ring at a time kind of matches do, do you think that that kind of maybe hindered uh the other tag teams or really the tag team division as a whole
1: well, looking back at
0: the time, there really weren't many
1: other teams that you could consider being at that top level. The, the Outlaws were, at, depending on the exact time we're talking about, they were out of out of the business at certain times. They weren't at the top of the card or they were just doing stuff in the DX faction. So, I mean, if we're talking about teams like Too Cool, maybe, like they were never going to be a top tag yeah. team. So they really couldn't hang in matches like those. And you really don't want to see a team like the APA, those two climbing ladders, to to retrieve a belt or or going going through (laughs) tables and things like that so i think those type of matches those those top of the card matches that were really good i think they were basically designed for three teams like that who knew exactly how to work the ladders and the chairs and the tables so hindered them maybe but i mean those are the top the top tag teams all six of those talents were were good enough to be the best tag teams
0: oh absolutely and the the only issue that, you know, I saw with the, with the tag team division, you know, it was so stacked and you had so many great tag teams. But, you know, there I, I feel like there was an over-reliance on those three at the top. Like, I, I feel like they could have given more, you know, time to some of these other tag teams. And even some of the tag teams that they just threw together at the time were really good. You know, uh, like Hurricane <laughs> was a good tag team. Yeah. Uh, anything involving Booker T, like Booker T and Goldust, was really good. Right. Uh, they they had some really good tag teams that they just kind of threw together and, and worked at this time. But I, I feel like their over reliance on those three major teams uh, re- really took away from some of these other tag teams. And in the long run, when you really focus on just you know two or three major. Uh, players, in the long run, you're really you're not benefiting anyone because once they break up and do their own things, you then are left with you know an empty shell to and try and fill up with these other less established teams.
1: And that's really what happened when some of these guys started either leaving the company or becoming top singles guys like Edge and, and Jeff Hardy became. Uh, there were there's really a lack of tag teams that were one established that people tried to care about. But it seems like there wasn't even a push at that mid-2000s, late-2000s era to, to create strong tag teams. So I think it was their own booking fault for for not making some of these teams stronger.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, some of the tag team tag teams you saw in the mid-to-late 2000s were just kind of rehashes. Like you saw DX come back together. Right. They won the title a few times. Yeah. Uh, it's just WWE always relied on kind of nostalgia to fuel their kind of fuel their product and, and you saw a lot of that in the mid to late two thousands, uh, when it came to tag teams. And and a lot of times they don't know what to do like they just kinda of stopped caring about tag team wrestling, so what they would do is just throw two random people together and make them tag team champions. I feel that their major flaw That WWE is missing, and you see it when you brought a group up like the Shield. You know, there there needs to be more factions like they had back in the you know late '80s, early '90s, and like they have in Japan right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, Japan is fueled by factions. Almost everyone is a part of a faction, and all the storylines kind of you know go through those factions. You know, in your you know leading up to to big cards you have a lot of six man tags between the factions so you, so you're getting a lot of tag team matches and you're getting a lot of people you know reps together so that way you know when you have your actual one on one singles matches you've spent time wrestling each other uh, because of you know the feuds going on in between your group and their group and that's something we saw a lot of in the 80s and 90s you know especially in the 90s when you had you know, like you said, the Heart Foundation, you had the Ministry of Darkness, the uh, the Nation too. of Domination. These, these are groups that not only did some of the biggest stars of all time come from them, but it gave <clears throat> them time to kind of develop their character in those roles. And that's definitely something that is missing now.
1: I also think we saw the absolute worst version, though, if we're talking about creating factions and then how that can go absolutely awful is when you saw in WCW when the NWO started to grow and grow and grow and everybody became a member yes. of of a faction and then the faction had to split and we saw black and white and black and red and the, i mean obviously WCW was in a downfall at that point so there might be a, a bit of a of a hesitancy to to build up factions like that when to make more than groups of three or four people because that was a bad, even though it was probably one of the best factions of all time, it is definitely part of the downfall in booking of uh, of how WCW failed. So I definitely agree that there should be more more factions because when you see some of the matches, like for example the Freebirds versus the Von Eriks for multiple years and multiple matches, those were so oh, yeah. Now some- you're
0: digging deep. I like to hear. I
1: am because, I mean, that, that's how factions should should have worked and the Shield could have been something even more dominant. But those, those are three top guys that you know Vince was just waiting to, to pull triggers on all three of them and to, to break it up so that they could develop other types of tag teams when really that Shield thing was real strong and it could have been even bigger.
0: Yeah, and at the time that the uh, Shield uh, split up, they were at the hottest that they've ever been. They just came off the hills of having that fantastic feud with Evolution, the uh, Triple mm-hmm. H, Randy Orton, Batista, uh, uh, right after WrestleMania, and they, they had a tremendous feud, and I was definitely surprised by the uh, turn from Seth Rollins Did uh, I think it was a great decision. Yes, just because of the commotion that it caused. I'm sure there was a huge rating spike after that. But really, The Shield had another year or two left. I mean, just look at The New Day. Look at how long they're giving The New Day to just keep doing their shenanigans and staying over. The the New Day has been, you know, they they are the best group in WWE right now. And they're the best group since The Shield. And it's because they're given—they've been given a lot of time to breathe and just, you know, continue to work on their characters and add new things, add new ripples to them. Uh, and but, you know, in this new era of WWE, you know, pulling the trigger quick on everything and wanting to break things up right away, it's definitely rare to see them give so much time to, you know, a group or a faction or or whatever to to let it develop and see what it becomes
1: yeah and I really think that, and I hope you'll agree with me when I say this that had they kept at least the tag team together longer, if, even if they break off Seth Rollins, can you imagine how much better Dean Ambrose possibly could be in the ring? had he been given another year of tag team work with with Roman and Roman could have been could be better too because Dean's work in the ring is not something that i'm that i I don't even watch, I'm not a big fan of the guy's work in the ring. So I think he would have been able to benefit a lot from that, and it's something that I think Xavier Woods is going to benefit from, hopefully, when they ever break them up, is that he's going to have a chance to have a better skill set in the ring and maybe do something as a singles guy, because we've seen Kofi work single before. We've seen Big E. So I think uh, the longer, the better.
0: Yeah, and uh, you definitely see, uh, because when when the new day started, uh, you saw just mostly... Kofi and Biggie with Xavier Woods out on the ring, you know, yelling, Mm -hmm. being loud and obnoxious. But but lately, you've been seeing a lot more in-ring work from Xavier. It's been a slow burn, you know, building him up and kind of showing off what he can do in the ring. And yeah, I absolutely agree with you. They've been giving it a lot of time, and I I don't think they're going to break them up anytime soon. And so it's going to give Xavier, you know, more time to grow and he's definitely going to be a huge star. And so is Biggie. Biggie's e going to be an absolute mega star, I think, once the new day finally breaks off.
1: Right, and which could be the problem for Kofi if this thing actually lasts longer cuz he's a guy who's, you know, he's the older of the group, he's been around for a while, so we might not see a whole lot of a push for him if they decide to break it up, but I think Biggie we see he's, his work in the ring is great to watch. So if he were to break off now and do his own thing, I think there's a lot a lot of potential there. But especially with Xavier, he's he's already grown a lot in the ring. We've seen movesets from him. So I think there's a good shot we'll see him doing something of relevance in the singles world when they do, do decide to break it up.
0: Yeah, and uh... – but the thing about Kofi is that he he stated before, uh, not not too long ago, that really the New Day is his is kind of his last hurrah. He doesn't really want, you know, or doesn't expect a, a big singles push once the mm-hmm. New Day is done. He's just having a good old time with his friends, and you know that that's something that you know you love to see. And it's so easy to get behind a group like that and get behind tag teams when you see that they're just having a good time, like when you when they had. Backstage segments with the APA, you know, sitting at the bar drinking or playing Mm -hmm. poker, they look like they were just enjoying themselves, having a good time. Same with Edge and Christian. Anytime they had a, you know, backstage segment, it just looked like they were having fun. And that's something that, you know, fans want to get behind. Look at Breezango right now. I love watching their... (laughs) promos together they just look like they're just having a good old stupid time
1: they're so outlandish and i i like me some Breezango, man i think they can both do good stuff in the ring if they were given the chance but hopefully this is a chance for them to to develop more maybe do some character stuff gets fans behind them if they're going to keep doing this this gimmick then it's something i think we're going to be able to watch (laughs) in a couple years and uh probably like
0: yeah I, i definitely think it's something that if they just keep letting them do this this craziness that it'll definitely get over. And the worst case scenario is they move those guys to raw and, uh, Tyler Breeze becomes part of the cruiserweight division. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I definitely see, you know, Bree- I've always liked Tyler Breeze. I liked him when he was in NXT. Uh, I definitely think he could be in, uh, a pretty good competitor in the cruiserweight division, but those two together have, it, it's breathed a ton of life into, uh, Fondango's career—I couldn't even think of the guy's name. Fondango. That's, that's how. That's how far he fell down. Remember, he went over uh, on, G- on Chris Jericho the, oh, at WrestleMania. I was just about was, to that say a, that. That was a big waste. Hit of that family. top rope. Hit that top rope leg drop. Mm. One, two, three. We just want to see people have a good time. And on the opposite side of
1: that, I'm gonna. This could be a downer type of a question, but I'm gonna bring this up. Aside from. Uh-oh. The Harlem Heat and the Outsiders National Hall, who did you care about in wCW's mid90 to late 90 heyday run of tag teams?
0: Okay, that is a very, very good question. Uh, you know, you already said, besides Harlem Heat, I loved Harlem Heat. Yeah. Stevie Ray and Booker T were a fantastic tag team. The missile drop kick off the top Ooh. rope. I loved it. Yeah, um, I guess Ravens flock. I really okay. enjoyed. Uh other than that, yeah, there was
1: you see what I mean? You see how hard it is for not, both of us yeah. to, to think about it. And I think that's a, another flaw. And I, and
0: I watched the I I watched WCW during that time religiously. I, mm-hmm. I left WWF for WCW, but yeah, there's just there was no tag team division really no, in WCW. There
1: wasn't. And and they they had a they had a tag team championship. The Latino World the Order. The Latino World Order, right. But those were – again, that's just you know putting together just single more guys yeah. and making a faction out of them. So the flaw, I think, was that there was never strong tag team work throughout WCW in that, that era specifically because even if we talk about the outsiders, they were tag champs at one time. But those are two top card guys who did much more yeah. singles work than anything. And Booker T, since we're bringing him up, he's another perfect example just like Edge of a guy – who can own his craft in the tag team world? Spread out and do his own stuff in the mid card, like he did on Thursday Night Thunder, pretty much by himself. Yeah, he that was would. the
0: he was the United States champion, and he had a great feud, uh, great best of seven series with Chris Benoit over mm-hmm. the TV title.
1: And we and that's when we started to care about Booker T more. And then he comes over, or he actually wins the the world title at the end of WCW's. Yeah era and he comes over and is still strong on the main title and he he goes back and forth and he wins king of the ring and then does more tag work but he's a hall of famer he's great and you give him time to to learn that stuff with his brother obviously there's already good rapport there so it was pretty pretty easy for them to work together but had he not been given that we would not be talking about booker t in any type of you know legitimate level had he not had that
0: no and you're absolutely right and and bringing up what you're talking about in WCW and their lack of actual tag team work uh, in in the mid to to late '90s and early 2000s, because they had some really good tag teams in the '80s, you know, with Stunning Steve Austin and uh, you know Brian Pillman, Brian the, Pillman. the Hollywood Blondes,
1: mm-hmm. you know, just
0: groups like that. Uh, go, it, it goes into an over reliance on factions, and I know just earlier I was talking about how there needs to be more. You know, groups and factions, but there, there, there has to be some kind of fine line because WCW, they did have an over reliance on, you know, big groups and factions. You had the NWO; It got so big that they had to split up. Yeah, yeah, and, and you had different breakoffs like the Latino World Order and stuff like that. And you know, as I was talking about Japan earlier, you know, they may be falling into that same trope. With just how many people are joining Bullet Club, right? And Bullet Club has like 80 million members. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't care less about any of them anymore since our Prince Devitt left, came Finn Balor and AJ Styles left. Yeah, sure, I like Kenny Omega, but you know, the the Bullet Club just is not. It's just a name at this point. Like you just keep. It's one of those things. It was so huge. Yeah. It was huge. It was hot at a time, but then you you, you just put people because in WCW they would just put people in NWO just mm-hmm. to get them over, and that's what you're kind of seeing in you know Japan and ROH is they people just join Bullet Club just to get over. It's watered down now.
1: Yeah, it really doesn't mean anything like like it like it used to mean. Like when the the Horsemen were together, they were together for a reason. They they were together to keep Ric Flair safe and to keep him over and to keep his title in various times. And then occasionally you'd see Flair and Arn Anderson tagging up. Well, that's really not a real tag team. I wouldn't call it. And then they never really did three or four man tags. So it's hard to put them in categories with some of these tag teams, even though we saw Flair and Ander- and Arn Anderson several times, like when they went up against the Hollywood blondes, for example. But I mean, the faction was there and it definitely helped Arn Anderson become more of a relevant name. We don't really talk about, Tully Blanchard too much when they were the Brainbusters when he and Tully came over to the WWF at the time, but uh, that was a different faction that had a different purpose. They weren't tag teams, but they were there to keep Ric Flair safe.
0: Well, the same thing with the uh, you know later iteration of the Hart Foundation in uh, about 1997, uh, early <clears> to <throat> 97 in WWF. Uh, it, it was just people, you know, putting people around Bret Hart to keep him you know, keep him on top, you know, and to, you know, really hit home the fact that he's a Canadian hero. You put all these Canadian superstars, uh, in the group, uh, minus Brian Pillman. He was from Ohio, but he was still part of the group, but it was a very, it, it, it was a very exclusive group. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's the problem that a lot of these, uh, companies get in is that they have a, a really hot group, you know, and, but they just have to, they won't they feel the need to keep adding people that they want if they want someone to get over they just add them to that hot group and that's supposed to get them over yeah you know, that's one of the things that you know WWF did so good in the uh, mid to late 90s is you know their groups no matter how hot they got they wouldn't just add people just to add them you know you had DX you no know, people didn't just get added to DX just to get over
1: yeah, none of those guys yeah, yeah, were, your- were really ever over. Triple H and Michaels, obviously, but yeah, the Outlaws and X-Pac. Those are just two guys that that are three guys that one stuck around the mid card because X-Pac did nothing but the European title and tag with Kane later in his career, and then the Outlaws were already one of the hottest tag teams. So that was they were there for a different purpose. Yeah,
0: right. And so uh, there wasn't this over reliance on those groups where it's like, okay, we have this guy. Uh, how can we get him over? Oh, let's stick him. You know. In the NWO, if he's in the NWO, he's he's automatically over. So uh, there there is that fine balance that you have to strike with factions mm-hmm. and groups, where you're not just throwing you know a whole bunch of people in just because that group is insanely popular. Like look at the New Day, they they're not just adding you know a bunch of people into New Day, which I'm right. glad that they're not doing. I'm glad they haven't added Titus O'Neil. Just because they want Titus over, they're not going to just stick him in the New Day just to get him over.
1: Yeah, and I don't think think any of us would accept it just to throw him in there. Now we're going to like Titus because Titus has never done anything amazing in the ring. I think we're a little smarter now than back then. But speaking to the same thing you were saying about the nation where there were three people at one time and then they added The Rock. The Rock was put there for a specific reason by Vince McMahon to slowly force him into this leadership role and then to turn on – Farouk to get him more heat as a heel and it really worked so in that aspect it was used to get the rock over and at the same time to break up the nation and it really worked out
0: yeah I mean there should always be an end to the means you know it shouldn't just be let's put this guy in here so that way the fans will like him Mm -hmm. or we get our desired result it's okay we have a plan here like you said with the rock we're going to put him in the nation you know he we're going to turn him heel you know we've been seeing what the crowd's been chanting at him so we're just going to let him go and vent his frustrations you know do get just have that slow you Mm -hmm. know rising of you know anger towards the fans and so that way when he finally lashes out and you know he he you know pushes Farouk aside the fans just you know, hate him not just because he's being forced down their throat, but because he's doing actual heel work and is getting real heel heat from the fans.
1: Yeah, and that was a real good example, I think, of of it being done properly. He wasn't just put in there for arbitrary reasons. There was a good plan going, probably from the start, I imagine, because the way it worked out was was really good. So, and obviously, it worked out for for the Rock in the in the long run. And then those yes. guys. Those guys break up and do a little random tag work, and then Mark Henry does stuff with D'Lo Brown, and then they all kind of fade into, you know, individual things. Because we got the Godfather gimmick out of that from Kam Mustafa, and now he's a Hall of Famer. Though so he's never one of the best dudes to watch in the ring. I mean, he tried working a lot of single stuff before that in the early '90s, and it wasn't. He the was best an icy champ. He was, but was he ever that great in the ring? And did we care about Papa Shango? No. Mm. But uh, once they no. put, once he went through some a little more development, probably, and later in his career, we got the Godfather gimmick, which we all still love to this day. So as long as there's a means to it, and the, and the end works out, factions can be good and bad.
0: I think we've had a pretty good discussion today about just the tag team scene in general, and you know the use of factions and groups, and how you can really you know push someone properly you know in one of those groups if it's done the right way and if, if you give it some time to breathe. Uh, really, I love love talking about tag teams, and I really think uh, here in the future we're going to do a favorite tag teams show where, you know, if you've listened to us before, we we pick three of our, favorite, three of our favorites each, uh, take turns talking about them, and uh, I, I really think you're going to be hearing that one coming up soon because I really got the itch now talking about tag teams. But uh, you can go ahead and you can find us on uh, Twitter and Facebook on Twitter at CAE Wrestling and just uh, search for Collar and Elbow Wrestling on Facebook we're also on Instagram and to listen to you know some of our uh, other episodes including some of our favorites episodes uh, as in our favorite wrestlers uh, favorite matches uh, you can find us on iTunes Stitcher Radio Google, Pl- Google Play just uh, search Collar and Elbow Wrestling Uh Go ahead and join in the conversation. Tell us about some of your favorite tag teams and some of your favorite factions of all time. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, We'll be happy to uh, conversate with you. Uh, And as always, we do this for the love of wrestling, and together we can make wrestling great again.